0: This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views
1: on Liverpool FC.
2: Hello, welcome to uh, another episode of Poetry in Motion. How are you doing? It's me, Neil Fitz here. Just getting over the leggy I got the dreaded Covid. I thought I was the cure. But clearly not. Um, oh wait I'm just sort of getting back on my feet after that. Uh, thank you to everyone uh, right now who is downloading this. Really appreciate. Always appreciate your support on Poetry Motion and the others, of course, Alan Rouge with Pete and the lads and uh, and all of the uh, Blood Red Umbrella uh, podcasts. Much appreciated. Thank you once again. Lots to talk about. Um, there's only been the four games since we last spoke. Um, making his uh, second appearance, he made his debut last time and then uh, he yeah. brought back by popular demand. Uh, Tom Cavilla, how are you, pal?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm good, thanks, how are
2: you? Apart not from too bad, mate. <laughs> I'm fighting, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, mate. It was, it's been a, a rugged old few days. It's a crazy thing, that. I mean, it's it really takes the wind out of your sails. I suppose it affects people in different ways and obviously, tragically, it has affected people in, 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 in the worst possible ways. Um, so I'm very, very thankful that I'm up and about again, really. And happy to chat to you and, of course, my old mate, Dan Kay. How are
0: you, pal? I'm pretty good. Glad to hear that you're on the men now, Fritzie. Like you, have avoided it just about. I've had a couple of bad colds. But uh, these reds of ours have been a good tonic. Uh, Taking us into the business end of the season with everything to play for and, you know, just counting our blessings, really, when you think about... Do not have to look too far across Stanley Park to see how different things can be, do we? We
2: We absolutely don't. You you don't have to yet, especially... um, you know, current circumstances, and that's without a potential point deduction that's also come into play Um because of uh, financial fair play regulations that apparently have been breached by by Everton. And I don't know what's going to come of that. I think if they've got their own problems. I think if, Frank, if you ask Frank Lampard, he's going to say he wants to get his head down. They've got 13 games left. They got absolutely slaughtered at Tottenham and um, by all cases were very, very, very poor. So um I don't know. You know what? That's their headache. Not as my headache's just about going, so I don't want another one. Um, <laughs> but only the four games since our last podcast, such as the thick and fast um, world that is professional football and Premiership football. Four teams like Liverpool, who are you know at the very at the very height of their game, aren't they? We had the, uh, of course, the Cup final, the Carabao Cup final, first trophy lifted this season already, and in the most dramatic uh, way possible, Dan. It went all the way. I mean, as far as it could possibly go, really, before it went round robin again, and all the other players started sweating again. But um, Kiva and the boys stay, um, were um, were up to the task. And um, but if you're going to beat someone like Chelsea,
0: you do it that way, don't you, Dan? I mean, Liverpool do seem to find more and unusual ways to win silverware. <coughs> the longer that time goes on, it was it was an incredible football match, wasn't it? I mean, how how the hell it ended up nil nil? I've no idea because it quite could easily have been. Three or four or five, all. I think what impressed me most about um, Liverpool on the day was just the determination to hang in there. You, know, I, I think, you know, it was. I think you, you could argue that, that that maybe we we slightly edged it over the course of the 120 minutes play, but then you can make a case to say maybe Chelsea had the clearer chances. Um obviously they had a couple of goals disallowed. And I think the, the I remember the Lukaku one in particular. What I think the second Lukaku one, the one early in extra time that you know your initial instinct seeing the replay was that's on and it felt like we dodged a bit of a bullet there while at the same time the Matic goal that was disallowed for Virgil van Dijk was you know having an armpit hair offside but when he didn't even touch the ball kind of evened itself up but um you know I I felt quite good going into penalties Liverpool have got a pretty decent record over the years my first football memory really is is Rome 84 uh, the European Cup final and I always remember hiding behind the couch when Steve Nicol got up to take the first one. And when he blazed over the bar, I kind of thought, well, I may as well just watch now. And everything turned out pretty well from that. And more often than not, we do seem to do the business in penos, but I can't remember too many going the distance like that. But you, you couldn't really have, have written a script better than that, could you? For, you know, for our young goalkeeper, Kevin Kelleher, to you know very confidently smash his into the back of the net. And then... Their reserve goalie, Kepa, who was specifically brought on for the shootout to miss his, I think is one of those great footballing ironies that always make us smile. Probably doesn't make the Chelsea fans smile, and they haven't got an awful lot to smile about at the moment but anyway. But like you say, that's their problem, not ours. And it just, it, it, it's it been such a, an incredible season so far. So intense, so many kind of ups and downs within it all. But it just puts us in a brilliant position now. I, I remember hearing... Um, I heard an interview with Trent, I think after Tuesday night's game against Inter Milan, he said something like, obviously we're made up to won the first trophy of the season, we've got two quarterfinals to look forward to, and a cup final every week in the league, and I thought, wow, you can't put it any better than that, can yeah. you? Uh, and it's just a fantastic position for us to be in, and I'm just looking forward to every game, now.
2: Absolutely, Dan, and what Dan said there, Tom, um, the victory really was was a lesson in having a bit of faith in your players. I think, isn't it? I mean, I was one of those. I hold my hands up. I was one of those who, uh, before the kickoff. Said, "Why has he changed? Why has he kept?" I think uh, the full strength squad, apart from the keeper, I don't understand why he's done that. I don't know why he didn't put Allison in because he put everyone else in. It wasn't like there was any of the players in that was that were were major kind of Car- Cup players. But fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, he kept faith in 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 in. Um, in um, the keeper, who never let him down during 90 minutes, was brilliant. And on the other side of the coin, you've got that ridiculous situation where, you know, Mendy, who was, was arguably one of the best keepers in the world, there's no doubt about it, he's an incredible goalkeeper. Yeah. Always seems to be a thorn in our side. Um, it takes him off, He takes him off. And I know, we know the reasons now, in hindsight, we know why. He's done it before, and, and it worked. And he's thought, well, I'm going to stick with that plan, and if it gets the penalties. But I always thought, it, on reflection and that, especially when you think about it, the one thing you need to do when you come on as a substitute is kick the ball. You need to have a feel for the ball, you need to have a feel for the weight of the ball, um, and the fact that you're full of adrenaline and stuff like that. I remember, you know, um, David Moyes did it, didn't he, with Mark Noble recently against Manchester United? Both of yeah. them played over the bar. It's that feel of the ball. Now, the fact of the matter is, I don't think it's any coincidence in the fact that Kepper, um, he didn't save any of the pens, but he, he, he didn't, he didn't sort of he didn't make the keeper save it he he he, he, he lost the final really by having a misjudgment of kicking the ball and that's that's one of the worst things you can do it's really that that's what I think that's what really did it for us with the fact that he'd come on the first time he kicks the ball is is to take that penalty but um I was annoyed at his at, at his uh, party tricks anyway in between, in between <laughs> and, um,
1: yeah I think well um, it was happening in the euro's final as well didn't it with the england players with the penalties as well um obviously southgate tried that as well with bringing on sancho um and obviously it didn't work for England either at uh, wembley so i think you know managers probably had enough warnings now it's probably not the best idea to, <laughs> to keep doing that in a final or be such a big game you know when you're going on with so much pressure on you um you know obviously if it works everyone's going to say oh what great idea it was but you know, in that in Tuchel's case, when it doesn't work, you know, that's the first thing people are going to mention because, you know, it's just something you didn't need to change. Um, like you say, before, Mendy's been on as well, even for Senegal as well at the African Cup Nations. Um, you know, obviously he won a penalty shootout in that tournament as well in the final. So, yeah, it just, it just seems more of a strange decision the more you look at it. I know they had success with it in the Super Cup, but... Um, yeah, I mean, he's obviously had the past incident with Kepa in the Carabao Cup final as well uh, against Man City a couple of years ago, where he refused to come off when they wanted to bring on Caballero for the penalties. Uh, and then he stayed on and didn't say I don't think he saved any of them that time either and they lost. So <laughs> I think Kepa probably uh, will keep his mouth shut next time and maybe just say, I'm just going to stay I'll stay on the bench this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I was pleased with Kelleher, obviously, because you know, he, having played in all the other games, I think it probably was fair, to, you know, to leave him in for that one. And I think he's shown, you know, he's not just I think Klopp said it before, he you know, he thinks that he's the best number two like of any other side that of anyone's got basically. So I mean maybe it might be pushing it slightly, but Kelleher is he's shown he, he's a really capable keeper and I think, you know, he was when he was called upon again in the final, he you know, he made a number of good saves and you know, it was a cracking penalty as well from him. So, uh, yeah, really pleased for him.
2: Well, there's a, there's a, I think he used to be an outfield player, didn't he, Jansen? He was about 15 or 16. I think he played up front, didn't he? He was a striker, so that came in, Andy. I believe so.
0: <clears throat> but, you know, the, I, I do remember, obviously, everybody knew he was going to... I, I can understand the point you were making, Fitzy, about, you know, you basically put the full-strength team in apart from the goalie. Why wouldn't you put the goalie in? But he'd already, been, he'd already said quite categorically, I think pretty much as soon as we got to the final after the semi, the Irish lad will start the final, and he was as good as his word. And even just very briefly going back to Kepper, I, und- I can I can und- I I don't know this. I would guess that I'm pretty sure Kepper played a lot of the Chelsea Carabao Cup games. Tuchel obviously decided to put his main goalie Mendy in, but he may well have said, "Listen, if it does go to pens, I'm yeah. at least going to give you them." And even though Mendy had a great game, and I agree with it, is is as good a goalie as there is around. He maybe felt he had to stick to it but going back to Keller Keller one thing that um, come across from you know all the preview articles and the build up to Wembley but also as well you know in the in the games we've seen because he's been around for what a couple of seasons now obviously he's played a few cup games but he has had to fill in for Alisson a couple of times when he's been suspended or injured or whatever and the thing that is so crucial for for a goalkeeper and particularly a young goalkeeper in the modern game is he see, he's so calm he's so collected I always kind of think going back to some of the clowns we used to have in goal, David James and, 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 and others, you know, going way back. Particularly for that position, particularly if there is a little bit of a doubt, you know, the opposition maybe is starting to think we might get a bit of joy against him. He's a bit young, he's a bit nervy, he's a bit raw. All it takes sometimes is the odd little slip, a misplaced pass, dwelling on the ball a little bit, to just give the opponents that little bit of belief that, oh, we might be a weak link. And the great thing about Kelleher, I, I would say pretty much in every game I've seen, I can't really remember him doing anything like that. Even Alisson. Was it was it the Leeds game a couple of weeks or, or one of the you know, fairly run-of-the-mill victories? I think it was the Leeds game. And he nearly got caught um, with, a, with an attacker of closing down the first couple of minutes. I've not seen Kelleher do that once. He never gives the oppo a sniff of a chance. And I think his, his temperament, as much as his technical ability as a goalkeeper, is one of the things that's impressed me the most about him poetry in motion on the blood red channel
2: yeah outstanding and Tommy's right dan's right i mean allison's that's firmly in allison's wheelhouse isn't it um he tends every couple of games to do something where you go and just get rid of the ball um but anyway you know first sophie of the season down fantastic we are um it was followed by of course Norwich. Uh, but we'll just dwell on it while we're talking about it news that's come out today <clears throat> um that makes uh, losing the Carabao Cup penalty shootout pale into insignificance. The fact that um, Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea, or, you know, ex-owner of Chelsea, if you like, he's trying to sell it, that's been stopped. Everything's been frozen. All the assets have been frozen. Now, I know that the governments have have put forward a licence, basically, which allows Chelsea to still pay for their staff and their players. Allow season ticket holders in, but no more tickets can be sold to see a Chelsea game and the merchandise shops all the shops are shorts of Chelsea shops so effectively it means that um, well they won't have any they won't have any away end uh, support will they uh, and so their home games will be basically just their, their players their uh, their fans I don't know uh, how that's going to work uh, And but also of course they're, they're not going to allow they're not going to be allowed any away fans are they for any, for, any, for any of the any of the away matches I don't think are they is that how that works
0: Tom?
1: Yeah, I think that's what the, the Times reported uh, earlier today. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of like the matches behind closed doors a little bit, I guess. We had a couple of seasons, oh, last season, um, you know, when we had the brief period where with some home fans in attendance. Um, it'd be a bit weird for the players, I <laughs> imagine, that one. But, yeah.
2: Bit of a strange one, Dan. And, and, and a weird kind Ooh. of deflated sort of end of the season, isn't it? Going to be... For, for them, if you like, um, because well, of the lack, because nothing's nothing's going to be as it
0: was. It's a completely unprecedented situation, isn't it? You know, we've you know, between you and me, Fitz, we've probably been following football, what, 80, 90 years? <laughs> that, that, that's putting it together, like. I don't think there's been anything, <laughs> anything ever even close to this. I do think, as well, it's probably a very fluid situation. It wouldn't surprise me if in 48, 72 hours, this time next week, things have moved on quite quickly. I mean, even in the last 10 days obviously once you know Russia's <clears throat> done what they've done and, and everybody quite rightly has come out in support uh, of Ukraine. Initially Abramovich was saying, what was it halfway through that halfway through the Man City Tottenham game he was like, Oh I'm, I'm handing over the, the the care of the club to the to the trustees. And then literally four days later it's like no one putting the club up for sale. So it, it is very much a movable feast. One thing that came in I mean I always feel bad saying it because in the grander scheme of things when some of the I'm, I'm limiting myself to how much news I watch because it's yeah. it's so distressing seeing what's coming out, seeing what's coming out of the Ukraine, and you feel a bit awful discussing the trivialities of football in literally life or death situations like this. But one thing that did cross my mind, particularly this aspect about you know not being allowed to sell any more tickets for matches and only season ticket holders who can go. You know, a week tomorrow is the Champions League quarterfinal draw, which we which you would expect. Chelsea to be in having or was it 2-0 against Leeds against Lille? yeah in, in, in the first leg of their last 16 match. They, they they don't play the second leg till next week. But if we if we were to get them in the quarter finals, you know, I would imagine, you know, there's there's an argument to say, well, hang on, Chelsea would actually have an advantage if there are no Liverpool supporters inside Stamford Bridge on that on that day. I mean, this is literally this is still pretty much a breaking story as we record this, isn't it? The news only really in the last two or three hours. I do think things will Developed quite quickly, and and it may well be tweaked and and yeah. refined here and there, but I do. Ju- it's it's a it's a shocking situation in some in some degrees. So, you know, maybe makes you realise that put, puts football into a bit of perspective, really. And um, I don't think many Liverpool fans really want much time for Chelsea as a club. What they stand for, a lot of their fan base. We don't usually go into the details of that, but <coughs> at the end of the day, chickens are coming home to roost. A lot of them are quite happy to on whatever concerns or faults that were with welcoming an oligarch and the sports washing nature of of his ownership at chelsea and to some degree chickens are coming home to roost now
2: yeah i mean there was an instance last weekend i think where during a minute of silence or during a tribute to the a ukrainian system, the brand, name um it is a strange one isn't it and um you know We'll have to watch that one. Uh, it will change. I think you're right. It, it absolutely will. There's an interesting one that Abramovich came out came out and said a couple of days ago when he said that he was going to start donating money to um victims of the war, but he was very specific in not being specific. He didn't mention Ukrainian casualties of war. He just said casualties of this war, if he even mentioned war. He might have said special exercise. That seems to be the Russian party line, doesn't it? Um mm-hmm. But uh, he, he, he made the point of not mentioning Ukraine, which, again, you know, nails his colours to the mass, doesn't it? And we'll watch that one keenly because it will. I think you're right, Dan, it will. It is fluid and it is going to change and they are going to ask for certain kind of, uh, I don't know, concessions, if you like. Um, But but we'll have to wait and see, especially with Champions League. It's very interesting to see what the Champions League feel about that as well, about the lack of ticket sales that they're going to find. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Liverpool came through um the, uh, the kind of, carabelle cup final and then faced norwich of course to get into the quarterfinals of the fa cup just another cup down the line you know um <laughs> when goal go down in this one and then it ends up turning it around did we not or am i thinking of the, the league game
1: that was well, the league game yes, yes.
2: covid has got me by the scruff. <laughs> um anyway we came through it 2-1 we get through um and he's got this certain thing going down going on now hasn't he uh Klopp, where he's having to Move about. So there's been a lot of changes in the in the midfield, Dan. Um, uh, Hendo getting rests every now and again. Isn't he? He's having to really try and guide this ship through, isn't he? Where I mean, it's uncharted territory even for him. He's sort of by now bailed out of one of these cups, isn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Whether he likes it or not, he's sort of you know we've we fallen by the wayside in the FA Cup and the Carabao by now. Um, but now he's faced with this sort of you know one down but three to go, very much. And like Trent says a cup final every week. Do you, you envision that there are going to be these little chops and changes virtually every game? And, and, and in doing that, does he not risk the balance of fluidity with the team?
0: There is a risk there, Fitzy, but I, I just don't think he's got any alternative. I mean, <clears throat> potentially Liverpool have got, what is it, another 15 or so games to play this season? Which I think, you know, if we were to go all the way in all the cups, I think we'd probably be looking on close on 70 matches a season, which I think for any team in any squad would be a very, very big ass, but the way Liverpool played, the physical and emotional intensity of what Clock demands from his team, of how these plays have been drilled and how they've all grown together over the last five, six years. I just think it, it has to be this way. You know, to the likes of us that grew up with you know, you know, it's slightly before my time, but Bill Shankey's famous quote when asked um, what, what the lineup was, and he said the same team as last year. It's a different game now. That kind of approach is just would never ever work in the modern game as much as we might like want as much as we might want it to. I also think as well, I do think the modern footballer is kind of used to it now. You know, we all used to belly eight years ago about you know rappers rotation and even going back to Hulé. But I just think you've got a whole generation of footballers who come up now who are aware that if they're playing at the top level with the biggest clubs competing for the top prizes, unless Unless they're the, the absolute very, very elite, the likes of Virgil van Dijk, um, Mohamed Salah, you know, most players are going to have to kind of bide their time, wait their turn. And obviously, there's a whole science behind it as well. Do you know what I mean? Where, you know, the, the, the physical output, the strength, and everything is all measured. They all talk about these red zones. Obviously, injuries are, you know, and. and Injuries and to some degree preventing injuries is crucial, particularly once you get to this time of this of the season. We all saw uh, what a devastating effect an injury crisis had on Liverpool to last season. And I think they you know Klopp has to use his own the science but also his own his own judgement in terms of working out coming up with the right solution for every match and also as well, you know, the um using the bench to its full capacity. He was, he was talking last week, wasn't he, his press conference about the need to have five subs brought back in. And whether that happens, I don't know. But I think at least being able to name—is it—is it—is it seven? They're allowed to name on the on the bench for Premier League games now. That 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 at least gives him the opportunity to have most bases covered if he does need to change things around either during during a game or because of an injury. So yeah, I, I I don't see that changing. And to be honest, I don't really think it should because it would be terribly decided. Right, I'm going to go with me big lads for all the games. And then three or four injuries happen and we're knackered by early April when things seems to be opening up for, you know, a season of seasons for us.
2: Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And Tom, I think that if there is going to be chopping and changing and people are watching, it's that front four now, isn't it? getting very interesting because um, if you look at the run of games, the way we've gone at the moment, I mean, West Ham, we, we, thankfully, Manny managed to slot one well in there that was... It was a tight call, but we got away with that one. I think it was on sides. Um, mm. But there has been there has been chances missed, hasn't there? Salah's been missing. He's been doing that little thing again, but he's sort of not quite at the races, but, you know, still deadly. There's no doubt about it. But then we've got Luis Diaz, the man on everyone's lips and name on everyone's lips, who, who the fans are so desperate to get on the pitch all the time. And then you've got Jota. That seems to be the bigger headache um, for Jurgen Klopp at the moment, doesn't it, Tom? How he keeps those four sort of ticking alongside each other. And does he does he have them... Mane on the left, Salad on the right, and um, and Jota through the centre, or does he switch them? Which, does he switch Mane with Diaz? It's a great problem to have, but a problem nonetheless, Tom.
1: Yeah, I think um, obviously Klopp's been helped by Firmino's injury a little bit by the moment. Yeah, you know, it's given him one less decision to make in that sense. Um, obviously, when he comes back in, it'll be interesting to see what he does with Firmino if he he'll come back in or if he'll you know continue to be you know, kind of use from the bench more more than starting. So I think with Diaz, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he's obviously he's had such a good impact since he's been at the club. Um, just reading an interview he's done today and he's basically said himself, he's basically surprised himself with how, how well he's done so far. Um, and then maybe a lot of people didn't expect him to, you know, adjust this quickly, because we've seen it quite a lot of players that come in, you know, to the Premier League. It can take a few months to get up to speed with the league. But he's just come in and, you know, that run he did, uh, was the West Ham game, wasn't he? He's just carried the ball about 40 yards up the pitch. And yeah, he, he's, he looks like a real threat. So I think you'd almost be tempted to keep playing him at the moment, the way he's playing. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just a case of who you do drop. I think uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Jota, Jota in the last couple of games maybe hasn't looked quite as sharp as in recent weeks before that. But he's still been, you know, a really good player this season as well. So, um, you know, you'd imagine he'd carry on with Salah, you know, every game. He's want, he's going to want to play every game as always. Um, and then Diaz is going to be sort of between Diaz and Joshua I guess. Mane's looked good, to be honest, recently as well. So I, I think he'd keep him in for the time being. Um, but I'd like to see a bit more of Diaz in the next few games, maybe starting from, um, from the beginning of the match, just to see what he can do over the 90 minutes, because, you know, in recent weeks, it's been a bit of, you know, just bring him on second half as an impact sub, but I think he's shown he's good enough to be starting at the minute. And it's, uh, yeah, like you said, it's a nice problem for Klopp to have. Um, for Mino's just going to complicate it in the next few weeks when he comes back.
0: Poetry in motion on the blood red channel.
2: Well, I hope that just uh, just brings it more into the squad mentality of players. Then, which is if I play, if I play my heart out, I'm going to get in the team next week. That's the whole point, isn't it? Of having a squad based system. Um, Dan West, Ham came, mm. and uh, they're a tough side. There's no doubt about it. They're a lot stronger under Moyes. He's got a really good team ethic going on there, and and uh, we did well to get out of that. And you know, some of them are going to be scrappy games, Dan. If you're going to get, um, if you have ambitions to get as far as you possibly can in this in this league, and hopefully take the league it was, graffed, like it? That, right? it was graft, wasn't it it was graft, wasn't it
0: but the result was there yeah and you know it was i, I walked out of the ground thinking this is the kind of one nil victory that we used to despair of the likes of chelsea and man united getting in those years when we was when you know a genuine title tilt was pie in the sky for us it wasn't pretty but the it was the kind of dogged gritty determined just get the job done performance at and, and get it over the line, that that's ultimately are what win league championships. Um, <clears throat> you know, David Moyes still, still hasn't got a win at Anfield in however many centuries it is as a football manager. But you can't knock what he what, what he's done with Leicester. You know, I think when he went back there for his second spell, I don't think I was the only one who was laughing at my sleeve a little bit, thinking, "Well, you know, you just kept them up last time. What's the point?" But he, you know, he, he, he should remember they are, they are one of these two teams to beat us in the Premier League this season. And, you know, and they they just, they're a very, very, they're very, very obdurate opposition and made it really tough for us on the day. You know, the last, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to Inter Milan in a bit. You know, the last four performances really, since we last met, the cup final and the three games haven't exactly been the most fluid of the season. But I do think there are reasons for that. You know, it's been a long, long season, there's been a lot of games. And, we're reaching the you know we're reaching the point of the season where it's just about results rather than performances. You're always you're always happy when the performances come back, and I do think you know we will see the benefits of policy of resting players at the right time that Klopp's went into place as we get later into March and April and May. It's all about peaking at the right time while at the same time still getting results. And um, you know, in, in the modern era of social media, cry arson and all the rest of it. You're always going to, after every game, you're going to have people sharpening their eyes going, oh, well, it's only a matter of time before the wheels come off. But, um, you know, as Klopp said after the game on uh, against Inter on Tuesday, that, um, the arse of football is about losing the right games. Liverpool aren't losing many at all, but at the moment, the only ones that they are losing are ones when the impact isn't going to be too critical. So, um, you know, the we'll get on to Brighton as well. I think the opposition Liverpool have faced as well in the last couple of games haven't exactly been helped. They've been very kind of gnarly, hard-bitten, you know, very difficult matches to get through. Brighton might hopefully play a bit more football on on Saturday, which might open things up for us, but I don't think we can read too much into performances at the moment. It's just about getting the job done. Yeah, and
2: Tommy's absolutely right, isn't he? Because I, I made a comment in the last part about the fact that Liverpool seem to be starting a bit slower and teams seem to be going at them and we're conceding and, and but you know they've just done 120 minutes plus pens of a football match and then had they're thick and fast these guys are uh, we know the machines we know they're incredibly fit we know they're a testament to the sport but you've got to imagine there's going to be fatigue in them legs at some point and the problem with lactic acid and the problem with fatigue is they come on you in the first two minutes of a football match and you have to hit that level and and I think Liverpool it's it, a lot of it <clears throat> the more your ambitions the more your ambitions rise and Liverpool's rise week by week with, with, with what we're still in and what we've still got potential for, the more we have to understand as fans that these 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 players are going through it, they're going through it all the time, there's the levels of stress going through it, the fitness levels and we have to just bear that in mind and with that in mind, West Ham's result was a huge one because as Dan said, West Ham's one of them teams that the moment the whistle goes and you've got three points against them, you're looking at the fixture list to see who they're playing because you think they're the kind of teams that are going to trip up the cities and are going to mm-hmm. trip up Chelsea's because they're a the, they're a tough team to beat. They're tough to break down, and um, so that was that will probably go down as one of the, one of the strongest, one of the best results of the season when we look at the whole thing, because coming off the back of huge one one twenty plus minutes of football and then a Norwich game after that, and and then grinding that result out against West Ham. It's it's a, it, that's a big result, Tom.
1: Yeah, and just on the the fatigue point as well. I think obviously we need to remember as well that Mane, Salah, and Kate have Obviously, come back from playing the month of Af- Africa Cup of Nations as well, <laughs> um, which I think everyone's kind of forgotten about. Um, I know it was you know it's been about a month since that's happened, but that's obviously going to take its toll on them as well, just because of you know, especially Sallow. He went sort of the 120 minutes in about four of the games he played in. So um, yeah, obviously that's going to have an effect as well. Um and just on the uh, the result of the West Ham game, um, yeah, obviously it's a massive win, Um, we saw how dangerous they were in the game earlier in the season, I think November it was, um, you know, the threat from set pieces, I don't think there's as many teams that have as many sort of physical players as West Ham have, you know, Antonio is probably, you know, one of the only strikers that would maybe feel he can give Van Dijk a run for his money in terms of that sort of battle, 1v1 battle, and I think, you know, he did cause a lot of problems in that game uh, at West Ham Stadium, so... You know to keep him quiet for the majority of the game they've got to be pleased about that um obviously jared bowen another player a really strong player in their team liverpool obviously been linked to him a lot of teams are uh, said to be looking at him as well um so you know that's another player they have we've managed to keep him fairly flat. i think there's robertson who put that really good tackling on him to prevent that shot at goal um, but yeah, I, I just think yeah, it's a really positive point in you know in terms of the quality they do have, and like you said, hopefully West Ham may be able to do Liverpool a couple of favors in uh, the remaining matches they have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Keep pedalling, Tom, because you're starting to buffer. Keep pedalling, <laughs> um, no. and it's just show so down in, in situations like this, mate. Um, you, you you can't say enough about Virgil Van Dijk, can you, and just how incredible a player he is the way he slows things down the way he just has that moment to, he almost seems to have a couple of seconds more than everyone else and he's invaluable in times like this isn't he when when people are getting tired and people are fighting on for stuff and people are like you just to have that absolute rock and let's not forget you know out for a season before this with 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 a career that could threaten oh, sorry with an injury that can threaten careers and yeah he's thrown straight back in we, we all said at the start of the season he surely can't put him in he's got to rest no he was in And he's been absolutely remarkable, Dan, hasn't
0: he? Yeah, he has. I mean, I think Paul Gorse rose a piece yesterday. I think it's basically about a year this week that Van Dyke says, even though there was an outside chance of him getting fit for the World Cup final, he he ruled himself out because he knew he he wanted to make sure his his comeback from injury was methodical and thorough and, and would enable him to get back to his best, which is a huge sacrifice for a professional footballer to make. You never know how many World Cups you're going to get to play in. I think that you know that showed his you know his commitment to liverpool obviously for a lad that's not born here didn't grow up supporting us <clears throat> i think we all hoped and you know expected and prayed that he would get back to his best there was never any guarantees like you say it's <clears throat> pretty much as serious an injury as a footballer can get and i think you know in the in the, even though there were no Deadpool clangers or anything in the first couple of months you could tell he was still easing himself back into it but i think over the last couple of months it's become very, very clear that he is absolutely back to his imperious best. I think, as much as anything else, as, you know, as, as, as many brilliant physical and technical attributes he's got, and there was a, a wonderful example during the Inter game, wasn't it, on Tuesday night in the first half, but I think it was that, that Lautaro Martinez, who scored the great goal in the second half, was in a position where he could basically go, you know, try and run him, and he basically just gave up, and sod this for the Game Not of Soldiers. Chance. You know, which 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 was hilarious. So it's twofold. It's not just it's not just the impact of the reassurance that he gives our players. Wow. When you know, for the last ten minutes against West Ham, they're pumping the ball in the ball, they're pumping the ball in the box. It's not so many years ago that virtually every time a ball would come into the Liverpool box, you you would fear a goal. That kind of that kind of anxiety has to a large extent gone now because of Van Dyke. And you know, and, and, and a good goalkeeper, and the likes of and you know, just a general more defensive resoluteness about us. But it's just his all round is it's his leadership. I always remember from, the, from the, his debut against Everton in that FA Cup time when he scored the winner. What you know, four and a half years ago now, really. And it's it, it, his his organising, his pointing. It is he leads by example. And, you know, I, I think I've. Obviously Man United aren't having a great time of it again at the moment. Uh, they got battered by City at the weekend and that Harry Maguire again looks at times a bit like a pub player. And, and I did see someone commenting after the game, kind of like the the, the real reason Virgil van Dijk was such a bargain for 75 million is because Maguire cost ninety. And I think that's true. And even though in, in many ways it feels obscene to talk about that kind of amount of money being value in footballing in the in the skewed, warped world of football finance. It is, because I think if he, if he, if Liverpool were to ever try and put him up for sale, you'd be talking. Well, I, I don't think I don't think that there's anyone would be able to afford him because he is priceless to Liverpool and, and, and long may it continue.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, we'll just we'll move on quickly to the inter game. But just before there, I have after, just say, Tom, I'm sure you saw it yourself. Hats off to you know Liverpool fans are synonymous with their humour. And um, and being on the board stuff oh. like that, you know, from 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 way back, we've always been very very funny, very very clever at, at taking the mick. Um, And the Kurt Zuma situation against <laughs> West Ham um, was just, Amazing. it was just, it makes you as proud as the result doesn't it? When a when a plane flies past <laughs> with cats lives matter, and the fact that someone's chipped in and gone, let's let's do a banner, a flyby with Cat, cats lives matter. Then you got an inflatable cat's head, which is just genius. would kick me right on it. <laughs> And then you've got the cops singing, a cat, a cat,
0: a cat, a cat.
2: Just absolutely brilliant. I mean, Zuma must have saw that big cat's head at some point. <laughs> oh, <kid>. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, word,
1: Yeah, it was funny. I, to be honest, I uh, hadn't seen the banner. I only saw that after the game, a picture of that. um But I'm sure uh, Zuma probably didn't appreciate his uh, reception either at Anfield. I know he was getting booed every time he, he touched the ball as well. So. Um, <laughs> he's probably, yeah, probably going to get that um, a lot of away grounds. I think now the booing every time he's playing, but I'm not sure whether he'd get the same banner and uh, a Cats Live Matter message at every ground he's at. But um, yeah, it was quite funny, wasn't it, seeing that? It,
0: what, one of the highlights of the season for me, fitsy I mean, I'm I, you know, virtually <laughs> at the other corner of the ground. My, my season ticket is the Upper Kemlin towards the Annie Rose end. And at one point early in the second half, you could literally see that's how big it was. It was so visible from the <laughs> other side it's, of the game. You know what it is? It's a lilo. You lie on them in the, on the, uh, in the pools. <laughs> I, I I had to walk around the back of the cup to meet someone after the game. i actually seen the lads. Clearly, him, it were all kind of folded up, walking past me. And I just clapped him and said, nah, lad, The idea that he got emotional. an alien blew it up on a seat. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, as Tom said, yeah, I think Zoom has been booed at pretty much every ground. He's played that since it happened, and you know, and and why why wouldn't he be? But what was great about it was as 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 is often the way we do things a little bit differently and with a little bit more of a yeah, what I mean. It's a little kind bit of humour it, it. Which <laughs> I, I'd like to think even Zuma and the cold later day, later that night, he must have maybe had a, maybe a slight right, a, a, a wry little smile to himself that you know there was a little bit of humour injected into what is a serious, you know, as, as an animal loving himself, what he did was a boring, but. Hopefully he's learned his lesson and yeah, you know, we, we we're able to kind of bring a bit of levity, to, a bit a bit of levity at a time when obviously life's pretty serious at the moment.
2: Yeah, we get our points across in a funny way, and that, that that's yeah. so, so power to him. If he's listening, or he knows someone who's all the lads who did that, all the people behind, all the little protests and all the little gags, yeah. very, very you flew the flag very, very well.
0: Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel.
2: All right, let's move on to last night's game and we only Have to look at the Real Madrid PSG result to know how precarious it is in football. It doesn't matter how far ahead you are. PSG take a a 1-0 lead to Real Madrid, then go up, goal up, the 2-0 up, um, and then Benzema destroys them in 17 minutes. Extraordinary. Anyway, apart from that, PSG out. That could possibly mean Pochettino going to Old Trafford. you how these weird things happen, but I don't know whether I don't know what his 10 is going to be like at PSG now. They want results and they want it quick, and he's he's failed on a couple of seasons now for Liverpool's regard. As you said, Dan, um, Klopp, uh, very wisely said, you know, you pick your losses uh, at the right time, and it, he's t- he's absolutely right because you know, we would work three times, but um, they're a good side. Inter Milan are a good side, they're one of them teams where you look at and think they would have given other teams a lot of problems um but so it's testimony really to Liverpool Tom that, that, that we did what we did over two legs obviously go a goal down lose the second leg but we'd already done the damage by nicking two absolute steals and it was a smashing grab because you could argue they were better in there at uh, uh, home than they were at Anfield but we done we we did the business and um let's face it no one's going to want to face us in the, in the draw now are they Tom
1: no they're not <laughs> um no, I don't think any side will really, and uh, even if it's at the quarters or the semis. Um, you know, I think this, the talk about the Interland game was a bit strange in the sense that, you know, there was sort of this discussion after the match that Liverpool would, were a bit lucky to go through, which which I thought was a bit strange. Um, you know, Inter Milan, although it was a good goal from Martinez, you know, apart from that, they rarely sort of created anything in the game aside from that. I mean, Alisson didn't really have much, much to do, even in the first leg as well. So I I just found that a bit bizarre, that sort of suggestion that it was a bit lucky, Liverpool a bit lucky to go through over two legs. I didn't think, there wasn't really much in it over the two games, you know, the two goals Liverpool got, you know, came out of nowhere a little bit in the first game, there wasn't really much on before that, Um, you know, and then didn't create a great deal either in the second leg, Liverpool, but, you know, going through is the main thing. You know, it's always a bit bittersweet to go through, you know, after a loss in the second leg. But all that matters is they're in the next round. And, and, yeah, I don't think Inter Milan can have too many complaints, to be honest, on the night. The red card, I think that was just deserved as well based on the two tackles he had done. So, I, yeah, I, I just I've just found all the talk about it a bit, bit confusing, to be honest. You know, all the talk about the red card and, and whether Liverpool were lucky. Um, I, d- I don't think Inter Milan could really feel aggrieved about the result, all the red cards. So.
2: No, absolutely. And afterwards, you, it, it makes your blood boil sometimes you listen to the so-called pundits talking about it. You've got Rio Ferdinand in the studio, who has absolutely no ties and no interest to in Liverpool Football Club whatsoever. You've got that Farrell, whatever the name is. Farrell names,
1: Williams,
2: yeah. And um, just saying, uh, there's there was nothing wrong with it, and he just went into Tipper. I mean, for God's sake, you know, <laughs> if it had been worse this, that's it always would have been worse, but... Um, <laughs> It was. He should have gone off for the first tackle in the first half. Anyway, he went right down the side of Thiago. So you know, they're trying to say we were lucky to get through because we only got through because he got sent off. But as Tom says, Dan, it was the only chance they had on goal.
0: It was. It, it was a strange. It was a strange tie over the two games. I think <clears throat> because you could argue that maybe two 0 slightly flattered us in the first leg, but I think I think you could also make a case to say that one nil flattered them. Um, you know, they, they pretty much had one chance in the game. There's, there's no getting away from it. Sanchez is of blood, and you know I, I I I agree with you. You know I, I do I don't think he could have had any any real complaints. Um, he, he could well have been shown a red for the first one, and the yellow and, and the second one, particularly after they've just got back into the game for such an experienced player, was just irresponsible in the in the extreme. And you know obviously it was a huge relief to us. But <clears throat> I, I I thought over the night Liverpool. It goes back to what, what I was just saying before in terms of like rotating, managing the squad. It's also as well about managing games, and I think that that's an area where Liverpool have got really experienced and good in recent years. They know how to manage different types of situations. Yeah, obviously you don't. You know I, I think we until until Tuesday night we'd won every game in the Champions League. You know, this, so far this season, all six group games and the first leg of, of, of the away leg. So you know, you tell you what the third defeat in any competition all season. So obviously, it's, no one was doing cartwheels on the way home, but I never really, apart from maybe that 90 seconds, and even not even really then, that 90 seconds between the goal and the sending off, I never really felt we were in any danger of not going through. And like you say, we, we hit the woodwork three times. Um, I think if any one of those had gone in, it completely, completely changes the entire dynamic of the match. We saw last night in, in, the, in the Real Madrid game, all it takes is one goal to change the whole complexion yeah. of a tie, atmosphere in the ground. So, yeah, it, it's. I don't think it's, it's. I don't think it's one that when we uh, look back over the season, people will be dwelling on to any great degree. But Inter Milan are a good side. They, they, they're a good bet to retain the Serie A title this season. Mm-hmm. They got some really good players, and by and large, Liverpool uh, managed what could have been a um, tricky tie um, pretty comfortably and professionally. Yeah, and with, which
2: nobody even mentioned, the referee that was as biased as I've seen in a long... The referee gave us... I think, I've got to be honest with you, I think probably the reason why Sanchez was going in every was because I think he genuinely thought, well, we're getting everything here. Mm. I mean, it's all right. I don't mind the referee who lets things go. I don't mind a referee who likes a little bit of grappling. That's fine. But you've got to have parity in it. And it was every single time a Liverpool player went in with
0: a, with a with a Milan player, he was blowing for them and then giving us nothing. I was, I was starting to, to wonder at one point whether he dug up Bill Shankly's mate, Senor uh, Mendebill, from 1965, because you know, any Liverpool fan worth the salt knows, obviously, Liverpool could have been the first team, British team to win the European Cup in '65, but for a very contentious semi-final defeat against Inter. And, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't the best, the ref, was he? But, again, this is the sign of, the, to me, the mentality, the the driven nature of this Liverpool squad whatever obstacles they they they're up against whether it's top quality opposition a, you know a dodgy ref bad weather conditions whatever put a problem in front of them and more often than not they'll solve it and again they managed to do that on on um tuesday night and also i think as well you know we've, we've got some players coming back from injury so um he started with um
2: curtis in, the, in midfield didn't he? <laughs>
0: <ahead of hand. laughs> yeah well, not, 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 um, obviously Thiago had that you know distressing injury um, in the build-up to the League Cup final. So even if I, I, I thought Curtis did really well on on, on Tuesday night in, in patches, I think the two of them will be better for the experience. Yeah, good minutes on un- good minutes under the belt, getting back into the swing of things, and hopefully we'll see the benefit of that in the next couple of weeks. and Then obviously after the after the next international break, when it really does crank up. And we
2: haven't really even mentioned Fabinho, who is just an absolute, absolute brick wall and has been again. He's just again. coming into zone, he's blocking everything, stopping everything. Just quickly then, guys, before the reveal the next six games, who do you fancy in the next round of the Champions League? As um, uh, tr- as uh, Trent said, there's no easy teams now. Once you get down to quarters, once you get down to these kind of things, you- you've got the cream of football, haven't you? Let's face it. No one's going to want us. Who do you fancy, Dan?
0: Looking at it from a purely... Porter's point of view, and you know, I'm hoping to, you know, to, to have missed out on the European ship last season. Uh, I I would be delighted with the winner of the Benfica or Ajax tie, uh, neither of whom, well, well, ironically, Liverpool did play them last year in the Champions League for the first time since the '60s. For years and years, we always say, when are we going to get Flipping Ajax? And the moment we do get them, no one can go. Yeah. So um, I don't think we have played Benfica, certainly the European Cup since the '80s. So, I mean, in footballing terms, obviously, you know, they're probably obviously not as good as the likes of City or whoever, or Real Madrid. But I also kind of think as well, once you get to the quarters, you get who you get. I think the one we'd all really, really want to avoid is City. Because the quarterfinals straddle the weekend when we play them in the league. And the idea of having three matches in six days against them, six or eight days against them, I don't think would do anybody any favours, apart no. from Chelsea, maybe, or you know, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't come to that. But we don't get a choice, we get who we get. For me, yeah. Ajax or Benfica, ideally.
1: And you, Tom? I think uh, I think Real Madrid would be quite a good one to get, just to, uh, you know, maybe get a bit of revenge for last season, what happened in the Champions League, um, and, well, and in Kiev as well, to be honest. So, I think Liverpool are more than capable of beating Real Madrid over two legs. You know, when when played them last season, you know, Think Kabak and Nat Phillips were the starting centre back, so you know, with the full full strength side, you know, you fancy Liverpool to go through. So yeah, I'd quite like Real Madrid to be honest. I, I don't want, I wouldn't want to play Bayern or City. Uh, the Chelsea, I, I think, would be okay. I actually think Ajax would be quite difficult as well. So I probably wouldn't want them if they get, well, they'd probably get through against Benfica. So yeah, I'd probably go Real Madrid.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm more I'm more leaning towards what Dan said, but I actually to be honest with you, I think they will get past Benfica, and, and I I feel like we could get we could get well look we can get past anyone, can't we? Let's be honest with you. I mean, uh, like we've always said, and, and 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 they very pointedly in the Spanish press a couple of seasons ago said nobody wants Liverpool, and they don't because they know what they're up against. If they do get the next six games, then guys, Brighton Saturday twelve thirty kickoff early one, Brighton away. And then we got Arsenal. I think that's the um, the game in hand, isn't it? The Arsenal. That's the
0: rearranged yeah. game, yeah. That was supposed to be on Cup Final weekend.
2: And again, you know, that's no mean feat either, is it? Going away to Arsenal, who seems to be finding a bit of um, form. Uh, and then we got the postponed Man United game, of course, fell down the line. Then we got Forrest in the FA Cup. And we got Liverpool, <laughs> Wafford at home, which, you know, and then we've got the big one, haven't we? The big one, who, if we're still three points behind, and by the time that comes, this is another reason why I didn't mind City winning the other day. I honestly have, and I've been saying this all along, I want, I would prefer Liverpool to go to the Etihad three points behind than level. Because it, it forces a hand, it forces Klopp to look at this game as a win. It's got to be won. We can't be trying to do anything in half measures. We can't be trying to get a draw. If you try and get a draw against City, you'll like either get a draw or get beat. But I think we have to go to the Etihad, knowing that three points is the only thing that can advance us. Because I think they might... If we did that and come away with that, I think they could fall apart. I think they could really struggle to come to terms with losing a 14-point lead. But anyway, they're the next six, guys. Thank you very, very much. Apologies, everyone listening, for my for my fuzzy um COVID-ridden brain. It's virtually out of me now, but it, it did make me a little bit foggy, and I apologise for that. Oh, no more foggy than usual, probably. But... Anyway, Tom, <laughs> thanks very much, pal. Uh, a pleasure. And you're on your hat trick next time you come.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks.
2: Take care of yourself, pal. Dan always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon, mate.
0: Cheers, fifty. All
2: the best. Thank you very much. And to everyone listening, once again, thank you very much. Keep listening to everything Blood Red uh, and uh, the Rouge and uh, Poetry in Motion as well. The Reds rumble on. They keep going. They don't know any other way. Get behind them every step of the way. I know we all do anyway. Um, And uh, hopefully we shall get more victories under the belt and be further down the line for the quad. You've got a dream, haven't you? All the best, guys and girls. I'll see you soon.
0: You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.